once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 306 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, February 16th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, February 20th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. I'm Tony. And in the recording booth, as always, is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. So, Tony, help us out here. What's coming up this week? Well, this week we are trekking out the winners of the Roddenberry Prize, a new piece of tech straight out of Star Trek, and the latest news about Discovery. In gaming news, the Tal Shiar lockbox is bringing a must-have ship console to Star Trek Online, and Star Trek Bridge Crew VR has been delayed, but we promise, for a good reason. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open up hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Well, this is the part of the show where we give you our contact information so you can keep the conversation going between episodes. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. And you can send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Or you can even leave us a voicemail. We would love to hear your voice. Just click on the SpeakPipe widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. To find out more and add your support, head over to our page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Our first story this week is that the Roddenberry Prize has announced its first ever winners. The competition was announced last fall in conjunction with the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and it awards $1 million in prizes annually. That's right, $1 million. $1 million? $1 million. (laughs) Applicants who, according to the press release, quote, reimagine how we teach and learn, care for our environment, eradicate disease, and connect more deeply to each other and to the issues we care about, end quote, are eligible to win. The grand prize winner of $400,000 is an initiative called Opus 12, the brainchild of a trio of Stanford University alumni. Opus 12 aims to create a system that would capture and convert carbon dioxide emissions into liquid fuels. According to their website, quote, converting all U.S. stationary CO2 emissions into liquid fuels would produce enough carbon-neutral fuel to replace the nation's gasoline demand twice over. Opus 12 could offset 1.5 billion tons of CO2 emissions annually from the chemicals market, end quote. The other four prizes of $150,000 each went to the following. Cancer Cell Map Initiative, which is going to map the molecular networks underlying cancer in order to inform development of new treatments. Farm Drive, which helps enable banks to more easily lend money to smallholder farms in Africa. FastOx, which aims to convert garbage into clean energy. And finally, SmartStones, a sensory communication system that helps nonverbal and verbally challenged people communicate more easily. For more information on each of the winners and other finalists, you can check out RoddenberryPrize.org. And, of course, we'll leave a link in our show notes as well at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO306. 
Yeah, I was really, really excited to read about this because I know uh, we talked about it on the show when it was announced last September, and it's kind of a big deal. So this is a million dollars in um, in prizes annually, and um, some of the, the prizes that have come out this year are really, really cool. The one that stood out for me, actually, was this Smart Stones project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm guessing you probably haven't heard of before, um, but Not assen- before this, no. no. Essentially, it kind of integrates um, software with different types of wearables. There's lots of different types of wearables, including Apple Watch and smartphones and all sorts of things, mm-hmm. that helps nonverbal people communicate more easily. It kind of translates questions and conversation into a format where they can respond using. Um, uh, by tapping a response, for instance, rather than trying to have to um, verbalize what they're what they're saying, it's really really interesting. And of course, um, Opus Twelve, the grand prize winner, is talking about taking basically waste carbon emissions and turning them into fuels. Which, um, if they can get that to work in an efficient way, is is extremely exciting because it's got that sort of uh, double-barreled solution of reducing. Um, carbon emissions into the atmosphere, but also providing us with a uh, carbon neutral fuels. So really, really cool and exciting to see that that money is going to really good causes. I'm curious as to what fuels can actually be created from, what was it, carbon emissions? CO2? CO2 emissions. So uh, at the moment, I believe, um, I can't remember what they call it. Um, Well, basically, you just need a source of hydrogen. I mean, hydrocarbon fuels are oil, gas, methane. That's that's what that is. Uh, so if you have a source of hydrogen, like water, and a, a, the appropriate chemical catalyzers and, and, and input of energy, you can create stuff. You just have to rearrange the chemical bonds. It's that rearranging the chemical bonds that's real tricky. Right now, the current theory is you kill a bunch of dinosaurs and let them rot underground for a million years. That's the current method that we that we know about. Well, here's what they say on their official website. So one of our initial targets will be on-site generation of syngas. The selective and energy-efficient formation of syngas is the first step towards the production of many carbon-negative materials and carbon-neutral fuels. And they plan to produce syngas along with ethylene, ethanol, and methane. Um, I can't claim to understand the process by which they are hoping to do that. Um, they're calling it generally electrochemistry. Um, but, of course, we'll, we'll leave a link in our show notes to all of this information. You can go and have a read through it yourself. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. Well, I actually know something about that. You, you give an example there of water, you know, because it's hydrogen and oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually not that hard to do. Um, salt water is the perfect catalyst or um, base fuel that you can use. And all you need is to construct an electrode, which is just basically steel plates properly mm-hmm. uh, constructed and run electricity through it. And right. it will separate the hydrogen and the oxygen. It'll actually come electrolysis. out as, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, electrolysis. Mm-hmm. This is actually mm-hmm. used, but for the opposite reasons in nuclear submarines. In fact, in all modern mm-hmm. submarines, they get their mm-hmm. oxygen from the seawater. They yep. separate the hydrogen mm-hmm. and the oxygen, and they can stay submerged for months. But they're taking the oxygen instead of the hydrogen. Yeah, I think the tricky part, though, is to build it, at least as uh, these complex hydrogen chains, hydrocarbon chains go, the trick is to get them to assemble in the proper order. Methane is, I mean, I don't know if it's 
really tough or not too tough, but that's just a carbon atom and four hydrogens stuck to it. Right. So methane, yeah, yeah. There's, but ethanol is a longer hydrocarbon chain. It's alcohol. Right. So it's just it's the the trick is, and they call it the syn gas. Well, they probably have some sort of method by which they can always get the same chain mm-hmm. of carbon and hydrogen, mm-hmm. and then it's just. Well, that's what additional chemistry you need to do to make it break down. So, uh, again, the details are probably going to be patented and proprietary, but you know, hopefully with the addition of the Roddenberry Prize money, mm-hmm. they can make it come true. Yeah. Well, keeping with the tech news theme today, CNET this week highlighted a real-life headset that's being compared to Geordie LaForge's visor from Star Trek The Next Generation. The eSight 3 is a wearable device that's being developed to enhance vision for low-vision users. Looking a little like a VR headset, it uses a combination of cameras, prisms, and high-resolution displays to present images to the wearer that they say, quote, can overcome the cause of their vision loss, end quote. Wearers can use a special controller to change what they see. For instance, some wearers might find high contrast more useful, or they might just want to zoom in on something small. There's also a light built in that can be used for low light conditions. According to CEO Dr. Brian Meck, quote, The beautiful thing is it's not surgical, it's not medication, it's not a drug, so you can just try it on, end quote. CNET compares the eSight 3 to other wearable innovations from big companies like Microsoft and Apple, and even Dr. Mech thinks his device is the way of the future, saying, quote, I think the day will come where it's not so different than just a regular pair of glasses, or maybe even a pair of contact lenses. We're not talking 20 years from now, we're talking about maybe in the next 5 to 10 years, end quote. No word yet on whether the headset will give the user the ability to see through playing cards, as Lieutenant Commander LaForge claimed to be able to do in the TNG episode Ethics, or whether you'd be able to tell someone was lying by tracking their temperature and perspiration, like in Up the Long Ladder. But it sounds like we won't have to wait until the 23rd century to find out. No, I think that that's, that technology, if it's five years, I'll be shocked, because Microsoft already has that uh their hollow lens, whatever the they have, lens, the, yep. yeah, the augmented reality stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's just what sensors do you stick on the front of it and what processing power do you put on the machine mm-hmm. you have running it in the background. Yeah. And I think that uh, if, if you wanted to tell if somebody was lying, well, you put an infrared camera mm-hmm. on it and then something in a mass spectrometer that you know detects water, you know, uh, something. So, I mean, I, I, it, would, it would surprise me if it wasn't just five years away. Um, and uh, people, and like my cat who wandered in, you know, creatures great and small can yeah. use this technology. And she'll be able to see a, a, a soft, fluffy yarn ball as I throw her out. Yeah, so this story actually got me really, really excited because I know there's a lot going on in development of VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmented reality. And I know there's talk of the HoloLens. There's the um, sadly kind of dead Google Glass Um you know, there's rumors that Apple are developing some kind of augmented reality headset or glasses or something. And up to this point, I haven't been able to see what the point was. Like, I don't want notifications popping up on my glasses. I don't want, you know, that kind of information, you know, impairing my vision. But this is a really good point because, like, I was talking to my dad earlier today. He already uses very focal lenses. And he's already got um, those lenses that darken automatically when you go outside. I, I yep. can't remember what they're Transitions. called. Transitions. So imagine, imagine that, except it's uh, processor controlled. And then additionally, you have glasses that in low light conditions could increase the contrast and help you see. Or um, 
people who are colorblind can help you distinguish between the different colors or all sorts of things, um, including, you know, eventually being able to see infrared or ultraviolet or something else like that. I mean, now that is an interesting use of augmented reality that I would quite like to see. And this is kind of a step towards that. Yeah, I, I we had a Google Glass, uh, Skiffy, I think got a developer model or something, and we took that to a guard frequency thing in um, LA a couple of years ago, and it was cool, right? It was it was novel, it was mm-hmm. kind of neat, but it wasn't. It was a little off-putting to people, and it wasn't the easiest thing to use. So okay. as soon as they figure out, as soon as they figure out the whole uh, interface mm-hmm. and how, like you were saying, you don't want stuff popping into your field of vision. Uh, when you're out doing something. But as soon as they figure out the interface and the right amount of clutter that people can put up with and still do their thing, um, I I think everyone will be wearing a pair of glasses um, in 10 or 20 years Mm. that does those things. You know, driving at night, you want an infrared view. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're on the beach, it'll darken your your, uh, lenses, but it will highlight because it's Google probably, it'll highlight, you know, billboards off in the distance that'll tell you where you can get a, something cold <laughs> yeah, to drink, you know, exactly. uh, because it's Google. That's what's going to happen. But, I mean, <laughs> even then, maybe if they, if they get the user settings right, you just turn that off, you know, I mean, or, or, or say, you know, display only every five minutes or something. So I, I think it's coming, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. And for the people with disabilities, it's going to be a godsend. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, and, of course, they'll know where they can get a pair of shoes or, you know, yep. a cold drink, too. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. If you could have any piece of Star Trek technology today, what would it be? The rumor mill for Discovery continues to heat up. Three new cast members have been announced for the production, which is already underway, despite a release date that has been pushed back to some time. Who knows when? First up, Malik Panchali is probably the most recognizable actor, having appeared in 30 Rock from 2006 to 2013 as Alec Baldwin's assistant. He'll be playing Chief Medical Officer Dr. Nambu on the Shenzhou, which we already know will have Michelle Yao in the big chair. Terry Serpico, who will play a character called Admiral Anderson, is a veteran actor with credits on TV shows such as Elementary, Criminal Minds, Person of Interest, and pretty much every Law & Order franchise. He's sure to bring some gravitas to what is, so far, a relatively young cast. And finally, Sam Vartholomios is an unknown actor whose IMDb page currently consists of only, you guessed it, Star Trek Discovery. He'll be playing Ensign Connor, also aboard the Shenzhou. Now, I didn't... uh, None of these three people particularly, you know, spoke to me. Nothing really, you know, spectacular came out of it. But what I think is interesting is that uh, we're getting a lot of casting information from the Shenzhou, which... Um, is is the the ship that well we said Michelle Yeoh will be the captain of. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of thinking that it was going to be the elder captain. Th- this will be something that happens in maybe the first episode or two as like a catalyst for this younger. Um, she's a lieutenant commander. I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Co- you know, supposedly, yeah. Um, coming up on the discovery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, the, the all of the casting information that we've seen so far is all in the Shenzhou, and it it it, it seems like it's actually going to play a little bit of a bigger role than we might have at first thought. Well, I called an end to speculation about the show itself, about yeah. you know, the show's release itself, but that doesn't mean you can't speculate on the plot lines. Well, so, it's not speculation. I'm just happening to note. Well, but I have, <laughs> I have, I have an official speculation. Oh, okay. Ha! 
official speculation. Uh-huh. So, so what if, and this is in classic, you know, modern TV things, the USS Discovery is not really the ship we're going to be following, but we're going to be following the Shenzhou, and then they have to go, like, find out what happened to the Discovery because it's lost. Oh, or yeah. the Discovery is, like, some sort of rogue ship that they have to track down or something, you know. So, I mean, that, that's at least a possibility. We may be following the crew of the Shenzhou, and maybe yeah. at the end of Season 1 the Shenzhou goes poof, and then then we pick up on Discovery. But I, 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 I'm kind of sensing that the Shenzhou is going to be where a lot of the starship action mm-hmm. happens, but there will be other places that we're going to be going. We already know we're going to the Klingon Empire for some mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Uh, we already know that we're going to be in an admiral's office for some stuff. Yep. Um, so I think that it could be that we're not looking. We're still looking at one starship, um, but that starship is going to be the Shenzhou, and then the Discovery plays in later. But I also want to talk about the guy that they're with the medical officer dude. Uh huh. That guy in Thirty Rock was funny. I mean, <laughs> he was a funny character. He was always, you know, he was always getting browbeaten by Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if once again, in, in true Star Trek form, the Doctor is the comic relief. There's it potential there. He was also in Twenty Seven Dresses, uh, which is a, a, a truly excellent rom com. Um, so <laughs> there's potential there for him to be a little bit of a of a light relief. I sense I sense comic relief coming from this guy. So here's the here's the big question, right? So we've had an admiral cast. How how nasty do you think this admiral will be? Why does he have to be nasty? Oh. Because all the admirals are they're all it's they Star all go Trek. bad. All of them. They all Even go bad Kirk went bad. Point. Yeah. Kirk went, Kirk stole the Enterprise. I mean, come on, he stole the whole friggin' starship. He, all the admirals of Star Trek eventually go bad. It's true. Um, it, then again, they could be breaking with um, breaking with tradition, but you know. What's uh, the admiral from Enterprise? Wasn't bad. Oh, Forrest, Admiral Forrest. Forrest. That's the name. Well, yeah. Well, he wound up. You know. He wound up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, he he wound he wound up uh, blowed up real good by the Vulcan people. Mm. So he got blown up before he had a chance to go bad. Well, so how, was, how about that's how that that's how that works. <laughs> how, only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll give it I'll give it to you that a lot of admirals do go bad, but I don't think all of them are bad. No, no, it's true. It's actually it's it's actually just a a, a cliche that the admirals all go bad. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's really interesting because the 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 roles that this particular actor has taken in the past have all been sort of um, uh, criminal procedurals. Um, crime procedurals um, in you know in guest appearances. So um, I wonder if if he's just well, suited to play he, that role. He, could, he isn't necessarily playing the bad guy in those. He could be playing the deli That's true. Owner, I did not know. I did not you investigate know, I mean, every role that he played. I didn't know. No. But I mean the <laughs> the Admiral cliche works for a reason. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. because eventually yeah. even even uh even the even the, the the menagerie, right? That the Admiral that did the whole uh uh, uh trial with them turned mm-hmm. out he was a fake anyway. Turned out he was a projection from the Talos Four people. Yeah, but so that, even that I, guy. Yeah, but I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can blame that particular Commodore Admiral, Decker. Though. Commodore Decker stole the Enterprise and tried to drive it into the into the Death Planet in the, the Planet Killer thing. Okay, I'll go bad. They get that extra stripe, they're done for. And finally today, there was a bit of controversy on social media last week, including our own Twitter and Facebook feeds over a picture posted by an extra on the set of Star Trek Discovery. The now-deleted Facebook post showed several actors in full makeup and costume wearing the armor teased in the most recent Discovery trailer and captioned, quote, Hanging out with my new Klingon crew today on set of the new Hashtag Star Trek, end quote. 
Now, these Klingons don't look much like any Klingons we know, and the photo had legions of fans arguing whether they were in fact Klingons at all. In television canon, most of the Klingons we encountered between Enterprise and the original series were smooth-headed because of the augment virus epidemic. Now, that doesn't rule out these being Klingons, since not all Klingons were infected with the virus, but it's nonetheless sparked a debate. Just a few thoughts from our listeners on social media. AD Games tweeted, Those are Lethians. Lethians are a part of the KDF, hence Klingon crew. Zeus Legion suggested, maybe these are the Gamma Quadrant Herc, from whom the Klingons stole their warp technology. Hashtag flashback. Some guy called Al Rivera commented on Facebook, looks like Riddick's Necromongers. Craig Hissy said, at first glance, I swore these were the species Zindi from the Enterprise series. And finally, Mark Miller commented, yeah, I don't know what those are, but Klingon, they are not. So, yeah, Klingons... I Klingons, hope they are not. They're not. Yeah. I don't think they're Klingons. Yeah, <laughs> I hope my, they're not. I mean, mind you, um, I can't remember where I read it, um, but they were saying that um, mo- modern, quote unquote, modern Klingons as we know them, they're very, they're very into their hair, right? They're real into their mm. hair. Yes, um, they are. We don't actually know. They could be ridgy underneath, and maybe these guys are all just bald Klingons. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but they look. Um, yeah, they look a little too reboot for my liking, to be honest. Liberties will be taken. Makeup technology has certainly advanced since the 60s and all mm-hmm. you know, since the 80s and 90s when yeah. the, you know, quote, modern Klingon uh, look uh, uh, first you know, really shown up by uh, Christopher Lloyd, the stereotypical, pay, uh, you know, the, 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 the Klingon that defined all Klingons forever, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and they're going to be doing some things that work for TV better than movies, but... We know what a Klingon looks like. We always know what a Klingon looks like. People who are casual fans of Star Trek that just look at convention photos know what Klingons look like. Right. Mm-hmm. So to stray too much from that brand, I don't like. I mean, gussy up the armor, sure. Armor's cool. I mean, yep. they can always say that you know that's the it's the hypertech whatever it is. But mm-hmm. the look of the Klingons is pretty iconic. The look of the Vulcans is pretty iconic. The Andorians, maybe you got some room to play with because we didn't see them that much. But and the Tellarites, maybe mm-hmm. you didn't see them so much. But the Klingons are the bad guys, man. You can't yeah. mess with them too much. Yeah, and it's just, it just, it just can't. I mean, they went to pains in Enterprise to explain why yeah. the TOS Klingons were smooth foreheaded and why they then had ridges in, in Next Generation onwards. Um, it just seems like. Wow, you got to work really hard to explain that away if if that's what what they're gonna do. Um, and if you don't explain it, then it's just um, it's a little hard to swallow. So I hope they're not Klingons. I hope it's something new that we haven't seen yet. So what do you think? Get in on the discussion by commenting on our Facebook or Twitter posts, or you can also send us an email directly to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News, where this week's focus really is on new content on consoles. That said, there are some changes that dropped on PC this week that you'll want to know about first. A big change came to the Senkethi Battlezone this week, which many players have been asking for since the launch of the new season. This week's patch saw an adjustment in the way that enemies recontest player-controlled areas in the first stage. Quoting the patch notes, 
Areas captured by players now remain controlled for a minimum of 10 minutes, and now enemies cannot recontest them if there are any players still in the area. The enemies must still outnumber allied reinforcement ships to retake the area if there are no players present." End quote. This change should help alleviate claims that the battle zone was too difficult to complete unless you happen to be in a very full instance. Another little quality of life improvement that captains will notice right away. If you'd already earned yourself the anniversary event ship, you may have noticed that the bridge view screen was, shall we say, not ideally laid out. While stylish, the split screen viewer put a nice big black bar down the middle of any NPC who wanted to talk to you. It was quickly picked up by players and devs alike, and has been changed this week's patch to be a single wide view screen. Now on to console patch notes for this week. Mostly this week was just about the new features that were pushed with the big Agents of Yesterday expansion, most of which we covered last week. One that we left off the list was the addition of the new fleet-holding Starbase K-13, which we'll talk a little more about in a second. Of note as well, under the Known Issues section, the Temporal Transponder, which is the special item associated with new characters created during the Temporal Recruitment event, is currently not working. The note said, quote, when a 23rd century captain becomes a full temporal agent at level 10, they'll receive a temporal transponder in their inventory. The function of this transponder for claiming the rewards is not functioning at this time. Progress for these rewards will still be tracked, so when the system becomes available, captains will receive the rewards they've earned by playing through content as a 23rd century captain." End quote. I'd highly recommend that if you haven't created a new 23rd century character on a console yet, you go ahead and do that now and level them up to level 10. Future you will thank you. Once the temporal transponder system does get fixed, there are loads of goodies for you to earn just by playing through the game normally. Prizes include weapons and gear, tech upgrades, dilithium, energy credits, fleet marks, duty officers, and a number of others. Now that Fleet Starbase K-13 is live on consoles, fleets also have the opportunity to spruce it up with special unlocks. Now through the 28th of February, complete the Fleet Special Project to unlock, wait for it, the bar. Essential for any starbase ripped through time and abandoned in unknown space. Help your temporarily displaced staff unwind at the end of the day by giving them their very own space to kick back, relax, and be frustrated at the lack of alcohol content in their drinks in the 24th century. Well, the new lockbox that was released with Agents of Yesterday was revealed last week to be the Tal Shiar lockbox. At first glance, it's yet another lockbox, and to be honest, I poo-pooed it at first because I didn't see the connection to Agents of Yesterday. However, this is actually a pretty amazing offering, and one that even PC players should pay attention to. So first off, the grand prize for this lockbox is the Tier 6 Tal Shiar Adapted Destroyer, Mandukar class. It features both pilot and intel bridge officer seating and a shrapnel torpedo launcher. Its sister ship, available in the low-buy store, is the Tier 6 Tal Shiar Adapted Battlecruiser, Kline class. It features intel and command seating and the ominous-sounding Enhanced Indoctrination Nanite Dispersal System. Also, both of these ships look... How do I put it? Fierce. Because they're styled somewhat after Nero's ship, the Narada, from the first Kelvin Timeline film. We'll put a link to the blog post about them in our show notes for you to have a look at. That's PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO306. So why should any of us care? 
Well, basically, these are Tier 6 ships that don't currently exist in the PC version of the game. They are very similar to their PC counterparts, which are Tier 5, but with enhanced bridge officer seating and mastery traits. So are Tier 6 Tal Shiar adapted ships on their way to PC anytime soon? That I can't answer. Now the other really awesome prize, and this for many players is going to be a game changer, is the Universal Console Plasmonic Leech. Still widely considered to be one of the must-have ship consoles in the game, it effectively steals power from your enemies and boosts your own. It's essential for keeping your weapon's power high, and if you also have a warp core equipped with AMP, that's where it buffs damage for all of the subsystems above 75, the Plasmonic Leech will help you keep as many of those systems above the limit as possible. If you aren't into the lockbox game, fear not. The Plasmonic Leech is usually available on the exchange after a while, but be prepared to lay down a hefty amount of energy credits to get it. And before we move on, we want to remind everyone that in addition to the Agents of Yesterday content, the anniversary event is on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One as well, with some great rewards to be had. The featured episode Echoes of Light, in addition to rewarding you with a spec point or tech upgrade, is giving out Nausicaan Disruptor Space Weapons. This week, it's the Nausicaan Disruptor Beam Array. There will be other items in the coming weeks, which, when equipped together, can net you set bonuses that increase the effectiveness of your Disruptor-based weapons. With two big events running simultaneously to get the most of your console play over the next month, you might consider getting your Temporal Recruit up to level 10, so you can get your Temporal Transponder, and then concentrating on the anniversary events, like the Omega Particle minigame and the featured episode. Once you get your Temporal Transponder, you can always complete the tasks later, but... Once this year's anniversary event ship is gone, it's gone. There will be a different one next year. And as many of us will tell you, the Omega upgrades you can get from the minigame are some of the best items in the game, which you can then use over the next year. Have you got a better way you'll be splitting your time on the console? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO306. Or leave us a reply on Facebook, Priority One Podcast, or Twitter at PriorityOnePod. And finally this week in other gaming news... The highly anticipated virtual reality game Star Trek Bridge Crew VR has been delayed again and is now due to release on May 30th of this year. The VR game, developed by Redstorm Entertainment and published by Ubisoft, was initially due out in late 2016 and has already been pushed back to spring of 2017. Now, there's no cause to fear doom here, however. One of the reasons for the delay is undoubtedly the fact that they just announced that you'll be able to command the USS Enterprise, no bloody A, B, C, or D. While it won't be part of the main game, you'll only be able to play the USS Aegis there, the Enterprise will be available as an option in their ongoing Voyages mode, in which players can participate in procedurally generated standalone missions. You'll be able to command the Enterprise either as a solo player or with multiplayer co-op. David Vitipka, Senior Creative Director at Redstorm Entertainment, said, quote, the Enterprise is such an iconic part of the franchise. The adventures and relationships that took place on the ship are a special part of Star Trek history, so we were determined to give players the opportunity to create their own adventures and stories on this classic ship." End quote. The new feature was developed in close cooperation with CBS Consumer Products and will no doubt be a major draw to the game when it is eventually released. So that brings us to our next community question. Does the possibility of commanding the Enterprise in VR make you more likely to buy into a VR system, and Star Trek Bridge Crew VR in particular? 
I am not a particular fan of VR, and that could be just because I'm old um, and fuddy-duddy-like, but about as VR as I get is the track IR system I have for playing uh, space combat games. I can turn my head, and the camera will turn with it. It's uh, it's very similar to the, the thumbstick on a first-person shooter where it's a look camera, basically. Um, and for me, that's plenty. Uh, that's that's more than enough for me to get immersed in what I'm doing. Uh, but and you know, gluing something to my face and and being blind and and, and, and not for me. Thank you very much. Um, and and the resolution's lower. We're still at the early adopter stage for this stuff, so I'm not overly thrilled with it. Well, you know, I have no plans to buy a VR system. However, I will say that this. This little development has kind of got me thinking about it. Um, you know, one of the things that people are always kind of vaguely interested, it's one of those questions that comes back around on the forums every once in a while. Can we can we steer our ship in Star Trek Online from the bridge? Well, yeah. no, you can't, because yeah. it's not built like that. Right. Um, and, and for a long time, it, it was, can we have a Tier 6 Constitution class, please? Well, you know, you can fly <laughs> a Tier 6 Constitution class, now, potentially, with this game, you can fly it yeah. from the bridge. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, particularly for people who play Star Trek Online and are big, big fans of Star Trek and the original series in particular, I think this could be a huge, huge draw, especially if they've already bought into a VR system. That's an easy yes. Mm, yeah. Or if you've got a PlayStation 4 in particular and you just have to make that extra little step to get to PlayStation VR... Um, it's still pretty, it's still pretty price prohibitive to go to all the way to an Oculus Rift, um, for instance. Um, but this game is going to be on all those three systems: Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, and the PlayStation. Yeah. It, the question is whether or not this is a piece of software that drives the VR sales, or if there are a sufficient number of VR headsets out there already that mm-hmm. people go, "Oh, well, I've got to have the bridge. I got to have Star Trek. This is all Star Trek technology. I got to have. I got to have it." Uh, that, that's yeah. the question. I I I, I hope you know, I, you know just because I'm a fan of Star Trek, I hope the answer is either is yes to one of those two questions. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm waiting and seeing. That's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 305's first community question was, Did you notice all the humanoid species in Star Trek Beyond? Did they stand out to you? David S. commented on Patreon.com, Maybe it is because I've been a Trekkie for so long, but humanoid aliens don't really stand out to me anymore. After all, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Jay Galloway on Facebook says, I did notice the aliens. Fun fact, did you know they created 50 aliens for the movie to celebrate 50 years of Star Trek? Yes, they all stood out to me. I love the attention to detail on the makeup. It's really funny that we had two different um, two different perspectives, one that stood out and one that didn't. Um, I'm, I'm kind of actually, I'm with David S. Um, on this one, that I, I'm, I'm so like... I don't think desensitized is the word, but you know, these new aliens of every week is is a normal thing now. That n- none of the aliens and yeah. beyond particularly stood out to me when when I thought about it, they did a really great job. I guess they all blended in. Um, Maybe yeah, that's it. Just, just like, seems yeah, natural. Yeah, ma- yeah, right. Maybe that's what it is. It's like they were su- they just supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, dudes and dudettes. And they all have you know. two arms and two legs and. 
maybe five-ish fingers and yeah. bumpy things on their foreheads. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's that's what aliens look like. Episode 305's second community question was, what are your thoughts on the rumored symphonic score for Discovery? From Patreon, David S. said, I don't know. It doesn't quite give me the same faith of the heart as the last one did. From Facebook, James Sillette posted, the score sounded like a third-party attempt to put music in a Star Trek video game that didn't have a license for official themes. It sounded bland and lifeless, hard to listen to. Well, that's like, pretty harsh. Well, but again, we think uh, yeah, our but the, the consensus here was this is probably yeah. a demo reel, an audition tape. It was just like, yeah, this is the kind of thing that we'll be doing, and I think hopefully they'll they'll give him some feedback, some direction on. We would like something that people can whistle, you know. Mm. You know, I mean, just something that uh, it's a catchy few bars. Even even the the Michael Giancchio. The, new, the one for the new Star Treks, that's kind of catchy. It's got a, it's got a, it's got that theme. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's catchy. It's, it's not original Star Trek. It's very mm-hmm. different from the original Star Trek, but it, it fit. It, it fits. It's, a, it's an adventurey, rollicking thing. So, yeah. they need something like that. Hopefully, they'll get there. And finally, episode three hundred five's third community question was, what are your first experiences with the launch of Agents of Yesterday on console? And from Patreon, David S. again, he said, I have no experiences because Star Trek Online won't let me transfer or copy my account to a console. I'm not going to start over again after all the money I've invested in the PC version. I totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, But just want to point out that that is not a limitation on Cryptic's side or PWEs for that matter. It's a limitation in Microsoft and Sony, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah. How? Microsoft have their own server. Yeah. It's it's completely different to the PC server. Sure. None, none of them none of them right. let them transfer um, information across. Well, but but why couldn't they? I mean, it's uh, like we copy stuff from Tribble to Holodeck, from Redshirt to Tribble to, to Holodeck to Tribble to Redshirt to to me. They Cryptic already has the back end to transfer stuff between separate standalone servers. Mm-hmm. It's a big data file, right? Yeah. It's a big, right. it's a big it's... data file that says, you know, populate slots X, Y, Z with, with items A, B, C. Yeah. And... Well, the thing is, you know, um, there is something fundamentally there. Um, the reason being, uh, I remember it was kind of a big deal when Quantum Break came out that you could actually um, save your, your Xbox file to, uh, to your... Uh, global account and then you could pick it up and play it on the PC if you had both versions of the game Um, and that was like a huge deal that you could do that Um, there is something it would be nice to be able to play on PC and then have it switch over to console and then switch back or something so that you could make the most of both platforms but um, it's it's baked in it can't be done Um, it's a shame because uh, I keep getting the feeling that actually a lot of people aren't switching to console well there's a difference I think between switching a character, which mm-hmm. there are some complications there because I think that because of the difference in versions, you know, what missions have you completed? Well, if those missions don't exist yet on the console versions, all those tags, all those switches are going to cause havoc. I, I, I totally yeah. get that. But as far as items, as mm-hmm. far as unlocks, as far as things like accolades, 
I mean, mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think, could be ported over. There are good business reasons why they don't want to do that, because they want you to buy and earn those things all over again on the console. But I think that maybe after a certain honeymoon period, they might want to look at an, a, a mechanism or a mechanic where you could transfer that sort of stuff from your PC to the console. I, I, I think yeah. that that would... That might, if they see the, the retention numbers start to kind of come down on, on there, they want to get more PC players over the console, that might be something they should look at. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy said, Wonderful show, everyone. I don't do consoles. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Plain spoken. <laughs> Plain spoken, direct to there the point. Go. Thank you, Sean Newboy. Yeah. We count on you for that. I'm the same as well. PC is my platform. I am not going by in a console um, for any game. Especially Star Trek Online. I'm far too invested in Star Trek Online to transfer over to console. But, yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you say that. And, and that's what I've heard a lot of the feedback is if people saying that they're they're too invested, they've spent too much, um, particularly money, especially if they've got a oh, long yeah. uh, uh, lifetime subscription. Now, I'm somebody who I've switched pretty much over to console I prefer to play on console I still play on the PC because I want to try and keep up with uh, the latest content that's coming out but when it comes to which I'd prefer I'd rather sit on my sofa and play console now I'm long I've I've always been free to play always always except for maybe the one month at the beginning um, so I don't feel I don't feel invested in the same way maybe as other mm-hmm. people do um, so I don't know don't know if there are more people like me out there. Well, you see, every game I get is always on PC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got the PC. I buy the games for the PC. I'm not going to go out and buy another platform and then buy more games for that platform. Yeah. You know? When well, I've fun- already got- yeah, funnily enough, um, Star Trek Online is pretty much the only game I play on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I use my PC to work on. Um, all of my games are on console, which is part of the reason I switched. I, I think it's, there's, it might be largely a generational thing. Winters might be sort of the exception that proves the rule, but older people who got into gaming on PCs when consoles were still very simple, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we, I, I continue to see the PC is still the, the forefront of, of where you get good games. That's that, but that may be older people. than you are, Tony. You no, I don't think <laughs> we'll talk about this offline. But I'm pretty sure I'm older than no, you. No, <laughs> I don't think you are. I am a young-looking. I'm a strapping young-looking man. <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. But I'm pretty sure. I'm uh, pretty sure I got you beat there, kiddo. Okay. Well, sure. yeah. <laughs> and I kiddo. use the word kiddo because I'm really sure. Really, okay. really sure. Okay. Well, that wraps up episode 306 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community questions for the week. If you could have any piece of Star Trek technology today, what would it be? Does the possibility of commanding the Enterprise in VR make you more likely to buy into a VR system, and Star Trek Bridge Crew VR in particular? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 10pm Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. 
And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Tony Intro Sync 1. This is Kenna Intro Sync 2. This is Winter's Intro Sync 4. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. To find out more and add your support, head over to our page at... Prior- <laughs> this is Tony Feedback. No, wait. Closing <laughs> Sync 1. This is, this is Kenna Feedback. No, wait. Closing Sync 2. This is Winter's Intro Sync 5. <laughs> It's actually closing. Okay. Yes, but yes, yes. Closing in three, two. I'm still hearing something. Are you three, sure you turned two. that music off? It's his cat. Yes, I had to stop. It's his cat. Yeah. This is the cat, really? I can't. You might be hearing the cat. I know I tell, now that I take my headphones off, I can kind of hear it. Oh, no, no, right it's the cat. I'm the sorry. I'm door. sorry, everyone. Sorry. I was, she's, she's meowing so rhythmically. I thought she was meowing the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> <laughs> now that that, that cat is going places I could charge Up money next, for that America's Got Talent I could, yeah um, I could charge I money for that okay hey Winters while you're trying to screw around with Ken I gave you the next bit alright okay every time somebody reads that now I think of last week like minded people like minded if you like <laughs> if you like to meet mm. like minded people anyway <clears throat> yeah don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. 
If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical He's just choice. On yeah, um, Unlike you, putting could, space Could you ponies. take that one from the top because you didn't stick to the uh, script. Yeah, you're like, um, and, you left out a few uh, of the games there. Yeah, see, see Farmville, The Simpsons, My Little uh, Pony, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fast Times at Freddy's. No, five wait, five, at, five, at five, Freddy's. five times five. at Freddy's. I don't know, something. <laughs> Minecraft, probably it's a yeah. narrative. Animation All right. sensors. She has a ready weapons. Stopper alert. Engage. Oh, oh! Can I stop now?